I'm Jake Mansell with HJ Sports, and today we're going to go over our new sites within the Tetra line for 2022. So new for 2022, we actually came out with a new way to mount your scope housing to the infinite adjust bracket. No longer do you have to worry about your vertical adjustments uh, intertwining with the second axis adjustments. So as you'll see on the scope housing, uh, there's actually an additional brick. You can either mount that to the inside of the riser or to the outside of the riser. We recommend that for most traditional bows, you mount that to the inside of the riser and for any sort of sight that you're gonna mount in line with the bow to use the outside. Just flip that around um, and mount it to the outside of the riser. So within each of the product categories, we have the Tetra Max, the Tetra, and then the Tetra LT. As always, our Tetra line of sights come in four different scope housing size options, an inch and three eighths, an inch and five eighths, an inch and three quarters, and then also our four pin housing, which is an inch and three quarters. We also offer a 10 thousandths pin and a 19 thousandths pin for both single pin and four pin options. On the Tetra itself, we once again have micro adjustments as well as your macro gain adjustments for left and right. For your vertical adjustments on your Tetra bow sight, you'll want to use the screw right here on the infinite adjust rail and the screw below that. You'll just loosen those and slide it up and down. Another key feature on the 2022 Tetra bow sight is the integrated scope ring that has a built-in level. Another key feature on the 2022 Tetra site is the ability to take a 2500 blue burst light. This is an added on accessory, but you can actually put that on there to add light to your pin or to reduce light. With that, we also have mechanical rheostat, which is an exclusive feature to HHA on the Tetra line. You'll be able to turn in the rheostat if you want to dim the light, and then you'll also be able to turn it out if you want to let more light in. Also on our 2022 Tetra line bow sights, the Tetra comes in either a fixed frame, our Hunter Edition frame, or it comes on a four to eight inch adjustable dovetail. All HHA products are 100% made and sourced in the USA, and they carry a 100% lifetime warranty. For any more questions, please visit our website at www.hjsports.com. Hello, we're at the ATA show at uh, Veteran Innovative Products, uh, an all-American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran 4-Blade. As you can see, 4-Blades got a lot of the same high-quality materials we used with our original 2-Blade Veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades, okay, those compress, and then the broadhead opens. It still has our momentum management compressible blade technology. So the cutting diameter is inch and a quarter by two inches on this when deployed. Uh, in flight, it's one inch by inch and a quarter. Another feature we added this year with these heads uh, is that you can exchange the bone breaching field point tip with a 125 grain setup if you would like. So swap the tip out, get you 125 grains instead of 100, which is big with those Western hunters. And then it's really simple to lock back in place roll those blades up and then it's a click and another click on the other side it's completely set in will not prematurely deploy will not rattle free solid containment 100 percent deployment every time so we've made a lot of good adjustments and refinements to it to make sure that it's guaranteed to deploy every single time so that's what's new for vip this year
Welcome back, guys. This podcast is brought to you by RPG Coffee Company, a veteran-owned and operated socially responsible coffee company born to support members of the military, law enforcement, and firefighting communities by donating 50% of their profits. The true secret to living is giving. And don't forget to join the RPG Coffee Club today. Don't wait until you run out. Stay ready to rock by having RPG Coffee delivered straight to your door each month with our coffee club. That's me. I just hit record. Yeah, this bug just happened to pop up at the right time, and I was able to, once that pattern was available, I took advantage, capitalized on it, took advantage of it. So what makes it so unique is that you actually shot this in an urban situation. So give us some information, because I uh, I had Matt Brannick on my podcast here last year, and he hunts urban in Pennsylvania in, in Philadelphia, and that's a, that's a trip right there in a sense. So tell us about hunting urban in West Virginia. So the urban hunting season is a little different in our state because they're bonus tags. Uh, for instance, Ohio, you can hunt inside the city limits, but it goes against your regular hunting license. Whereas West Virginia, they're bonus tags. So these bonus tags, I can kill up to two bucks and up to five does or up to seven does seven deer in total. So I can kill all seven does or I can kill five does and two bucks. And it doesn't count against my regular hunting license. Um, it's designed for population control in these areas that um, sign up for it. So you have to go in and actually your city or even how uh, homeowners associations, they can create them as well. Uh, so it's pretty, it's pretty good. Um, it provides me the opportunity to kind of break those early season nerves um, I like to get a little bit of a kill or two under my belt before I start pursuing usually bigger, more pressured animals. Uh, but and it also gives me an opportunity to kind of donate some meat really quickly to people that I know that are interested in wanting a deer or something like that. I can go ahead and just drop it off to the butcher shop when I'm done. They can pick it up when it, uh, it's already processed. That's awesome. So now. Are you donating to this to like a food pantry there in West Virginia or, or so, Ohio? So we do. We have the Mountaineer Food Bank, and sometimes I will. Like we got Hunters Helping the Hungry, and that's our program, and it all goes to Mountaineer Food Bank. Uh, certain processors and stuff will sign up. They'll turn everything into burger, and I will occasionally do that if I can't find somebody in my, uh, in my community or my niche that um, doesn't hunt but wants opportunities to have that wild game organic uh free, free free food basically um but i try not to give it to people that hunt there's a lot of people that's like oh, i'll take every deer i got get it but this is my opportunity to connect people that don't hunt with hunting and if i can provide that that's always a benefit in the not necessarily recruiting new hunters um but it also if you're not hunting and you accept it then you're not fighting against it as well that is a good philosophy to look at and with donating your food it can it can give it to a family that's never tasted whitetail before you may introduce a whole bunch of folks or it could be one of those folks that uh, in a situation that hunt but they're on hard time so they had to sell their their gear and their equipment and try to just put a band-aid on what's going on in their in their day-to-day yep so yeah, seven extra tags help <laughs> yeah that it does we 
here in Wisconsin, I went and got my tags yesterday. I hunt in, in public land here and I've got uh, my one buck tag that's statewide. Then I got my three doe tags that are, that are local to that county that I hunt it. And then my wife can get four more tags too as well. She's kind of on the fence if she is going to decide if she wants to jump in and start hunting again. This year has been a huge improvement for her entire skill set and her confidence wise with it ever ever since introducing her to a magnifier has definitely boosted her confidence we're, we're getting her out to 60 yards now she obviously won't yeah. shoot harvest an animal that far out but just getting out to 60 yards where before she just didn't want to go past 30 is remarkable in her confidence boost yeah, I mean, it's just like anything else in life. If you have more confidence going into that situation, you're going to be more comfortable. Um, it's like going fishing. I mean, if you got confidence in a bait to throw, then that's the bait you're going to throw, and you're going to catch more fish with it because you got confidence. You're not switching tackle all the time. Um, so if you can exchange, extend that range, that 30-yard shot is now a possibility that she's going to feel more comfortable taking in the field. Definitely, man. So also, while we're talking about our wives, congratulations. You just got married back in August to Amanda, and she sounds like uh, we've talked in the past about her influence on you and how positive she has been. So, man, so how did everything go? How did, it, how did you and Amanda connect? So Amanda and I, we just got married, and we just got back from our honeymoon. So we took about a month off uh, between the wedding and the honeymoon to kind of get – everything moved in and getting a routine before we took off. Uh, and that was a blessing in disguise really. Uh, but we actually went to high school together. Both of us I always, she was a little, couple years older than me and I was always crushing on her and she was nice to me. And we seemed to find ways to connect just randomly through life. Uh, but we hadn't really seen each other for 15 years or something crazy like that. We both got divorced about the same time and reconnected through social media and one date led to the second date and then we were dating and then a year later we're engaged and now married and I've got a stepson now so that's exciting that's pretty awesome man like it's always fun to have a, a bonus child like my, my wife and I don't have any kids but I have a daughter from a previous relationship so we just call it a bonus daughter and yep. it's those two those two get along pretty well and and uh, my ex and her get along really well. So that's a big win. Uh, but uh, my ex and I have a really good co-parenting relationship. So that is in itself a blessing because I, my brother-in-law and his ex, she is just a terror. She does not want to cooperate. She's very one-sided, very selfish. And it's that, that just doesn't work very well in life. It doesn't take you, it doesn't elevate you to those next stages in life to get you outside of your own comfort zone. Yeah, you're exactly right. So we use the bonus term and a bonus bonus son or something. Like that. We use that same term, and I didn't expect you to actually have that in your repertoire as well, so I didn't say it. But yeah, we go with the bonus son and bonus dad terminology. That's always good because then it provides that uh, space in the hierarchy of everything. So this way, then it opens up that line of respect, and and you know, it's like you you already you already have that understanding that I'm not going to be your father, but it's like I'm going to I'm going to be that I'm going to be that person to you can come and talk to and, and ask for advice on because I'm going to have it. You're you're obviously going to have a different perspective than his dad, but it's like you know, it's a good way to open up that dialogue because getting married and coming into a a relationship that already there's already an existing child is it can be intimidating oh absolutely and i i don't i didn't have kids prior to i always wanted kids 
but it's pretty cool that I get to jump in with a 10 year old that's already out of diapers and already knows basic skills and stuff like that. And we I instantly have a hunting buddy I instantly have somebody that I can go play basketball with or hang out. And then hopefully a man and I have get the chance to have a child in the future. And then I'll get to go through that experience as well. But uh, at this point in time, I'm like, I've already got my little hunting buddy that I've always wanted. That's, that's awesome. Cool. So it, it, has he taken an interest for this upcoming season then? Oh yeah. So he was with me when I shot that buck. Oh man, I bet that just what what was what was his initial reaction? He was very calm. So to know him is he gets very animated. He's he gets very excited when it's just him and I. And I didn't think he would be able to keep his composure at that and just kind of looking down to see that buck walk right by, right by you. And he was just like just waiting. He's like, you going to shoot that big buck? <laughs> I mean, he was just calm and cool. And then he was like, oh, you didn't make a good shot. It didn't die in front of us. <laughs> so he, uh, he got to watch me shoot a buck last year. Him and his mom both did on the same property. And uh, I mean, I'll rewind back and show, tell you about that. It was the opening day of the urban season, like Labor Day weekend. And him and his mom were um, up on top of the hill able to watch me because uh, he was I didn't feel comfortable with him being right there hadn't we hadn't really been together as a as a group that much so he got to watch and he got to watch the whole hunt and how it played out and he got to watch this buck just come in and fall down right in front of him because that's where I shot and uh, he just expected that deer to just run over and die and he's like oh it got away <laughs> so but it was a tough track and uh, he was right there with me through the tracking process um, I was there every step of the way. So it worked out pretty good. That's fantastic. It's always a remarkable experience to see that happen. I was looking at uh, like yesterday when I got my tag, I opened up the thing about youth hunt here in Wisconsin. And it happens to fall on the same weekend. My daughter has uh, a Girl Scout thing. So it's like, well, you know, she's really, she's really passionate about it. So it's like, just go for it. I like, I, we, we have plenty of years of hunt and it makes you really like, put some forethought into getting a crossbow because it's the only it's the only weekend we have where she can go out for gun hunting but if i i can just simply upgrade my tag to to get to for to have so this way you can swap in between each uh tool so this way i can go from bow to crossbow and if i bring her with me then then it's like it works out and getting her a tag and or however that i'm not sure Sure, I'll have to look at the regs for for youth season, but it'd be perfect for her to be able to sit down on the ground blind, go from there. Because we have a couple, have a couple of properties that I've looked at and really analyzed and dug deep into the the uh, e scouting to be able to walk in, set up real well, and then get that range. So this way, then we can we can wait for them to come out and send a bolt down that direction. Yeah, so I've already purchased a crossbow for Boston to utilize, and I. I went above and beyond. I went ahead and bought a higher end crossbow that I would enjoy shooting and stuff like that. Because what I noticed year one, which was last year, yeah, we would take, we would go squirrel. We started squirrel hunting, and he had a natural fear of guns, the kick and the noise, even with hearing protection. And even after shooting the gun, he still had that natural just instinct to be scared of that gun. Uh, so we struggled with that all year. He had found success. I mean, it took a few shots, but there was a day he killed three squirrels with me last year. Uh, but that crossbow, just in this little bit of time that we've got to spend behind it, he doesn't have that natural fear because it doesn't make noise. It doesn't kick, but it's still lethal. He's not ready for a compound bow yet. I wouldn't put one in his hands because he doesn't have 
that killer instinct yet, or he's not, he's probably not ready for a draw weight strong enough to ethically harvest a deer. Uh, but that crossbow is going to give us four months of opportunities for him to kill his first year and and hopefully get a buck this season and just spend time in the woods. I mean, I've got four months that I get to expose him to that uh, with that crossbow. And if I hadn't went that route, I would just be waiting for youth gun season to start. And then the, the few weeks of gun seasons that we have in a couple of states that we hunt. Oh yeah, definitely. That's, that's, I think that's a really a genius way of progressing through getting somebody introduced into it because it's a, it's a, a weapon, an, an opportunity to get them out there. And like you said, four months, yeah, cause it's like, he's got schedule, he's got his own schedule. He's got to bounce back and forth between him and his dad. And it's, so this time is very uh, highly, uh, it's valuable. We focused. don't get a whole lot. It's very focused. Focus. There you go. Yeah. But you're right. Very, very valuable. Yeah. So, and being efficient. Uh, so I don't want to expose him to something like I started with a bow and it was, if I could draw it back, I'd shoot it. And I didn't really know those mechanics. And yes, I can tell him that, but now I get to what led him watch deer and be efficient when he pulls that trigger. Uh, so that's going to be, that's going to be fun. Something I'm looking forward to. Basically my season this year is, I'm going to try to wrap up mine early if I can get on a couple nice bucks, um, but then focus on him and just passing that knowledge down at a level that he can understand it and showing him the experience. Cause I'm really bad to wait till the time is right, go in and strike. Uh, so the way I want to hunt, I'm only going in to kill. I'm not going in just to hunt because it's open day or something like that. And that's going to be a hurdle for me is not to pass that on to where you just go in and kill. Because every time he's been exposed to that, it's go in and kill, go in and kill. Um, because I've already done the legwork prior to. So what I've got to figure out as a way is go in where there's opportunities to fail, basically, uh, so we can have those learning opportunities. And we had, we had one of those this year, squirrel hunting and stuff like that, where we didn't go out and explaining to a 10 year old that hasn't been hunting much that success is not measured just because you brought a, a game or the animal that you're trying to harvest. Um, Cause there's going to be a lot of days when you go a field, you're not going to bring anything home. Oh yeah, exactly. I I've, I've, I've sat many days from sunup to sundown and not see a thing or not shoot a thing. And now it's like, I always, uh, Instinctively now just get a small game license and I always carry an extra uh, broadhead in my quiver that's designed strictly for small game because there's always going to be a squirrel that's going to upset you. It's like, well, I got no action on board. I can, I'm going to put an arrow on you and, and call it quits. Yeah. So with your uh, West Virginia buck then, so did you have him patterned then? Is that how you were able to get him done, get, get it wrapped up so quickly? So he came in probably about two weeks ago and two or three, four, two or three, four days in a row. It was either a, a, an early morning or right at the edge of dark and after dark. Um, and then right towards the beginning of it, because it took me a while to get permission to hunt this property. So there's a process you got to follow. Uh, they've got a designated area that you can go and hunt, but there's also private properties that are big enough if you can get permission. And then the city's got to approve it. So it took me weeks to get approved to actually go in and hunt. And once that worked out with my work schedule, he wasn't around. And then Saturday, I was down in Southern West Virginia, about two and a half hours from the house, um, hunting. Sure enough, he shows up. So I turned around and came back. Um, I made a two and a half hour drive Saturday after, or probably 10 o'clock in the morning. I drove down, hunted that evening, 
turned right around once I got service and got my cell phone, uh, cell camera notifications. And I went straight back because I knew he would be back the next day, or at least I anticipated it. So I went straight back in and got in the stand and that's how it works out. I mean, usually you get one or two days and then you, you if you don't capitalize on it, you've got to wait till that next opportunity. So right now I could, if I could hunt tomorrow evening, I know I could go home and kill a wild boar because I know where he's going to and from a primary food source, but he's only doing that routine twice a week, maybe something like that. So if I can capitalize on it that day, so I use cell cams a lot. Uh, it makes me more efficient with my time because I like to hunt multiple properties spread or spread across a couple states and that allows me to be more efficient with my time. Definitely. So with your experience with cell, cell cams, what has been your go-to? Tacticams, Reveal XBs. So they've got the new uh, X2.0. I don't have that one, but it's basically, if you got the XB, why would you need the X2.0 except for, say, 30 bucks and have a, a regular flash or white, not the white flash, but infrared. infrared. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm a huge fan. I actually sold all my other cell. Actually, I gave one away this past weekend. I'm not running any other cell cam other than Tacticams, and I've got I've got five still sitting in a box over here, ready to be deployed once I have the right properties and load setups for that. Nice. You know, I've been bouncing around. I, I like beginning of the season, all summer long. I have been just digging into all the different cell companies from, from Moultrie to spy point to, uh, to obviously to, to tactic cam, um, culvert, uh, Bushnell. I mean, they're all really, they all do really well. And it's like, it seems like everybody's either, there's two things that people have been gravitating towards. One is L a, the spy point, just because it's got a, it's got a budget friendly, uh, uh, plan. But the biggest thing is you got to make sure the firmware is up to date. And I have this, I'm running a, a spy point right now. And it's like, I need to go out and I need to grab it and update the sperm, uh, the firmware on it. Cause it's just, it's just not transferring any information. Plus I got to find out if it still works. I have it. I've lent it to a friend of mine because he's getting up there in age and I want him, him to have an opportunity to be able to uh, get a nice typical 170 plus buck. And so I've been letting him use it. And it's just, I, I live five hours away so it's not an easy track to do it and he does he's he's got his own schedule so i i'll like he's like you, we'll just deal with it when you come down in october so it's like sweet it's only gonna be a couple of weeks away and uh, when we get together so is who now i want to follow back up with you getting permission on the private property there in the public land or for the uh the urban hunt so so you have to first find somebody they have to get approval so what was your approach to bring down his um, his guard to allow you to walk out there and go hunt. Well, I wish I had a really interesting story about how I spent months into this, but the truth of the matter is I've got a buddy. He did all the legwork. He researched who owned the property and it was actually like an organization or a company that owns this property. And he had to go through like a board of directors or like a group of uh, people in authority uh, in order for us to get permission on it. And we did that like three years ago. So now all I do is just email or mess, mail a copy of that permit. They sign it and send it back. Um, typically if I'm going that route, so I've got other properties that I hunt as well. Um, I like to knock on doors if I can knock on doors. Um, and I like to dress. If I'm walking up to somebody's door, I'm knocking on the door. I'm not ringing the doorbell. I've got on nice clothes. I'm not wearing anything hunting related, maybe jeans and a polo, something like that. And when I take a step off their porch or off the steps, give them plenty of comfort space, 
I introduce myself and I tell them why I'm here. I don't try to sit around and be a salesman or anything like that. I said, hey, I'm, I'm Cameron Stover. I was curious if you were the owner of such and such property. I'm looking for a place to hunt um, and here's why. And I was curious if you'll allow me to hunt. And it's either a yes or a no. And when you get that wishy-washy, I'm not real sure, that gives you that opportunity. If it's a hard no, go on about my day and find another one. Uh, nine times out of 10, I can get really close to getting permission for that property. Sometimes there's a drawback, maybe it's a spouse or it's a group of people that own the property or somebody else hunts it and then somebody's against it, whatever the case may be. Uh, but if somebody else is hunting a property and that landowner says, yeah, I wouldn't care, but such and such, I'm done right there. Like I, I'm not going into private property to compete with somebody else. I've done that before. I'm not interested in that. Um, if I'm going into private property, my job is to a respect that piece of property. So with this one, um, where it's urban property, it gets a lot of trespassing. And what we realize with it gets a lot of poaching activities too around it. And one of the things we were able to do is to report a deer that uh, we had a cell camera running and a big buck walked by the camera one year and I went, I text my buddy because we both got the notifications because I was sharing the Spartans at the time that I was running, you could share those notifications and stuff. So um, when I did that, I said, something's wrong with that buck. I said, he's hurt. His tail was tucked, his body language looked wrong and the angle that he was going, there's just something wrong. So I couldn't get off work. He goes straight there, finds the blood trail and ends up finding that deer with its head cut off. Um, oh, and nobody, Yeah, nobody else around us was illegally allowed to hunt any of that area. So got the DNR involved and they did their investigation. I think they came up short on finding actually who did it. I don't know if charges were ever filed, but we lost a really big buck that we actually didn't know about. I mean, the first time we got it on, on camera, he actually was walking to his deathbed basically. Um, but we've also had a lot of issues with people trespassing and riding four wheelers. And every day at like 2.30, I get a picture of this guy um, on a, it's like, it's not like a quiet cat or anything like that, but some kind of like gasoline powered bicycle. Um, and he, I guess it's a shortcut from where he works to where he lives. So about quitting time, I get a picture of him going by my trail camera and I'm like, man, there's a lot of worse things out there in life to aggravate somebody with. He doesn't fool with nothing, so I don't say nothing. Uh, but at the end of the day, you got to be an asset to that individual that owns that property. And sometimes they let you, sometimes they don't. Yeah, that, I think that's a very valid point. To, like, it's a good say way, a good term you use is being a good asset for it. Now, the only downside is about him going back and forth with that. If he actually gets hurt or injured, the company could be liable for that accident. They could, but there's so much going on in that little area. Um, and this individual doesn't look to be the same nationality that um, it's kind of more common in this area. So mm -hmm. I, I don't know if he's like supposed to be in what he's doing. Uh, for sure, he's definitely not allowed to trespass, but it's hard to, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna throw the dude under the bus because he's making a living. Cause it, yeah. I was able to pattern him. I'm like, what's this guy doing every day about the same time he's making the trip home from looks like work or something like that. So I'm like, I just let it go. Now if he was stealing stuff, tearing stuff up, cause I had that, had an issue, put it up a tree stand, come back and it was gone. And I was like, okay, let's go investigate, knocking on doors, trying to figure out who was in there. 
And you would be surprised when you start circling a property, how quickly you can find a neighbor that's gonna tell on somebody that's doing something wrong. So I was able to go directly to that individual and be like, hey, what's up? And he's like, oh, you ain't supposed to be in there. And I said, here's my permission slip, stay out. And he's like, okay. And everything, and didn't have an issue with them since. Um, so it kept those people off that piece of property and it added value in that regard. That's good that they actually took that, uh, that situation to heart that he decided not to continue pressing his luck and said, like, be all come big and bad. Because then again, it's like, if you had the ambition to track him down, it's like, look, do it again. It's not going to be me at the door. It's going to be the police officer knocking at your door too. Yeah. And it, it, it helps when you have those friends that can knock on the door with a badge. So that always helps out too. <laughs> Right. That is so, that is, that is exactly right. I see, I haven't had too many issues. I haven't heard too many issues here in Wisconsin with people trespassing. So like, but then again, it seems to be very well uh, uh, community oriented. Like every once in a while, we'll see in the Facebook groups, like a Wisconsin reports only people are posting on there saying that we got somebody trespassing through here type random thing like that. But uh, we don't have very many metro opportunities to hunt. Like here, like in Wisconsin, we in lacrosse, you can metro hunt too, but I don't know the first step on doing that. And there's so much opportunity, so many different pieces of public land outside of it. It's like, I ain't going to monkey with it because you never know what you're going to do with that one Karen type scenario. Now with your urban piece of property then, so now are you in a park system? Are you, or are you just hunting that somebody's property is big enough that's on the border edge of somebody's uh, so what's the, looking for? Uh, city limits? So, yeah, so it's right on the border of the city limit. So this property is actually the border of the city limit, and it's actually the biggest property in town. It's like 100 acres. Wow. Yeah, so it's, it's worth a ton of money, um, and it's eventually going to be sold, and I'm going to lose access to that piece of property. Um, but until then, it's going to provide a lot of free organic venison for me and a lot of my friends and stuff like that that want it. Um, it's been a blessing really um, to have that opportunity. And now I get to share a lot of that with uh, my bonus son. So it'll work out pretty good, but eventually I'm not, I'm going to lose this large tract. So right now, if I shoot a deer and make a bad shot, it can run 400,000, 500 yards and I ain't got to worry about it leaving the property. Uh, but some of these other tracks, it's got to be at least three acres of combined contiguous property for you to get permission. So, if you own two acres and I own an acre, if I get permission from you and my, plus my property, three acres, I can hunt it. I just got to get permission from the city and stuff like that. So it's not hard to find a property to hunt. The problem is you got to find a property big enough that when you mess up and don't make the perfect shot, you can go recover that deer. Um, I've never had an issue to where I couldn't go and recover a deer, um, but I've always tried to keep myself, not hunt on the boundaries of a property. Like I know if it runs, six more feet, I can't go get it. So I try to avoid areas like that to start with. Yeah, I don't blame you for there. When I was talking, when I met on the podcast, he, he hunts the, the park system there in uh, Pennsylvania. So that's, you have to, it's a, it's a club. You have to, I don't believe it's invited, but you have to pretty much have the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? sworn in or have to have a referral to be able to get part of the club. And then from there you pay your dues and you have to pass, uh, have to pass some tests so basically just being able to prove that you can put an arrow at 20 yards in a tight spot so that's basically what they're doing for so that's that's unique that the, they have the they allow the community to be able to access all that information but 
Man, that's pretty cool though. I mean, I wish I would knew people around here that had that opportunity because we're be my commute, but from West Salem to uh to lacrosse, man, it's like I see probably 60 to 100 deer, but they're all nestled up on private property that you can't hunt. And it's like, and we always see the dead deer on the side of the roads. It's like you gotta at least be able to cooperate with them to allow folks to be on there and uh be able to avoid having those accidents because you never know it's 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 frustrating because there's coyotes too and they'll push them to the road they figure it out they get smart it's an easy meal if somebody else takes it out so like we still have to do that same efficiency test in order to qualify and then once you qualify then they do a drawing for x amount of permits for that for that town um and then there's a bunch of towns throughout the state that you can do that um, so it works out pretty good and a lot of people don't qualify for it it's not a hard qualification if you can hit the eight ring you're going to qualify four out of five shots uh, so it's not very hard to do um, but there's a lot of opportunities in west virginia to fill a lot of tags um, so it works out pretty good so your friend that found the property did he just go to the did he go to, into the county or did he go to onyx what was his means of being able to track down this property uh so we start, I start with, we started with Onyx um, and utilized Onyx to figure out who owns it. And then the research that he did was just online and it was readily available. Started making phone calls, pulling people's name off board of directors and stuff like that until we got the right person. Um, and then I actually, so in order to maintain this, and I forgot this part of it. So I will go at the end of the year, I'll make a trip out of town to deliver some summer sausage and deer meat and stuff like that to the individual that signs this permit permission slip for me every year. Uh, so that's been really good and made, I mean, I've been to the guy's house, invited me over and stuff like that. So I could share that with him. Uh, and he hunts too. So I'm thinking, wow, I don't want to talk too highly of this property because he's maybe he tells somebody in his family and they're going to start hunting it. So I, I try not to give him too many details about all the fun that I'm having. <laughs> I don't blame you, man. I would, I would kind of be reserved in what information I'd provide to. Yep. So what do you got? Uh, what's, um, let's see what I was going to ask. So now on, on, on Sunday, did you have a cold front come in or? We, we had a cold front come in probably like Friday, Saturday timeframe. Saturday was great. A lot of movement on a lot of different cameras. Sunday it warmed up and it was very, very windy. Um, I was really excited going into it, but I'm, I've gotten out of the habit of checking the weather for some reason uh, with this current job that I'm in. I don't pay attention to the weather because I know i got to work regardless. Um, so I wasn't paying a whole lot of attention to the wind. Uh, I was looking at temperatures. I knew temperatures were going to increase. I wasn't expecting a 10 to 12 mile an hour wind steady, and it was blowing directly into the bedding area. Oh, wow. So I thought, man, this is going to be tricky. I, and I, I told my boss or boss and my bonus son, I was like, I don't know. I said, these deer are going to be really finicky when they come out because there's not going to feel comfortable in the wind. I said, there's places across the country like Kansas, winds blowing 25 miles an hour, all hunting season long. Those deer don't care. Our deer, when that temperature, that, that speed picks up above 10 miles per hour, they get skittish really quick. And that's exactly what happened. Every deer that came out, was on its toes the whole time, except for this buck. This buck did not care about anything in the world. He was just on his way. He was up on his feet like, I don't know, an hour before dark or something like that. He didn't care one bit. Um, so it worked out pretty good. 
there's always a unique thing about like Buck, especially when they get to that four and a half, five year old time frame right there. Yeah. They're either, like you said, either skittish or they don't give any, they don't just don't care. They're, they are, they had that BDE and it's like, I'll make it work. Yeah, you're exactly right. Like this buck, when he walked, I mean, there's truck camera photos and I might have 20 deer and half of them are bucks. This buck, when he was in the field, you're like, oh, that's a mature buck. And that that's the biggest buck I've had on camera there other than one that got poached uh, the first year we started hunting it. Uh, so instantly when he's standing in the middle of all these deer, you know who the dominant buck is in that area. Uh, so there you get a lot of these bikes and four points and stuff like that running around like a little basket rack eight points it's very unusual to see a deer of this caliber on that property mm -hmm. so when you set up a, a stand do you do you do it in uh corridors uh food food sources or do you are you one of those guys that like to get inside their bedroom early season it's always for an evening hunt i don't hunt mornings hardly ever in the morning early season uh, this particular stand is right on the edge of the field. It's actually technically in the field, but it's got so much cover in it that anything walks by, you can't see. Uh, so it works out really good for that. But I'm focused on food sources and edge bedding. Once it starts pushing into late October, I will get more aggressive uh, on properties that like I own. I still try not to dive in very deep uh, on properties that I know I can hunt. But if I'm going on an out-of-state hunt or properties that are getting pressured by other people, I'll dive right in. Like, it doesn't hurt my feelings one bit to jump right in the bedding area uh, during the rut. And this particular property heats up during the rut. A lot of new bucks start showing up. And I've been reluctant to go into the bedding area. Um, and there's been a lot of bucks that my buddy has had uh, encounters with that I never got on camera, just merely 50 yards from the camera. Uh, so this year, if I have a tag lift, I'll probably bounce into there during the rut in that thicker bedding area. But it doesn't seem, even when I was tracking this buck, I never bumped a deer. But it wouldn't be surprised right now if I don't go through the camera and say there was 20 bucks on camera today. So those deer are bedding basically anywhere they want to bed right now. But they'll get more congregated as those leaves start falling. I got you. All the foliage and stuff like all the foliage and high grass, these deer are bedding anywhere. Once that foliage comes off, then it starts concentrating them into those thickets a little better. Makes sense. I know uh, Eric Rindle, I was listening to one of his podcasts on the DIY doors, Doorsman, and he was talking about like he's actually glassed up bucks. Like he knows where he has his camera at and watched them walk down the trail, go around the backside and continue walking. It's like the ones that are smart that that have that have had those encounters. They they they're still there, but they're just tricky. They're just going around. It's like that's genius because like I have um I used to hunt this one property and I'd get the buck once the once that season. That's it. But I know he always kept on coming through there because he always shows signs, or I would catch him on another camera that he didn't know about that I have it set for strictly daytime hours, just to kind of uh, give me that idea when he's coming through, but also try not to spook him. When he's walking through that area it's just remarkable on how clever some of his bucks become so I, I can give you a bunch of examples of that but i got a new piece of property in ohio a few years back and threw a camera out on a scrape and when i went back to check it pulled the car i expected a lot of deer big beautiful eight point one of the prettiest deer i've ever seen and you can see he walks in that camera takes his photos and he's got the deer in the headlights look scared to death 
never shows up on a camera again. That property's 400 acres. And I don't know of anybody killing him. I don't know where he went, but it he literally liked to jump out of his skin because that camera was new. It was sent free. It had been sitting there for a month. Uh, but he, when he saw that, that older seven, eight year old caliber deer, when he saw it, he freaked out. Other bucks don't care one bit. They'll walk right through the camera. Uh, a few couple years ago, uh, I was hunting a property that I own in Ohio in a low gap. And I've been running cell cams on this property and I wasn't getting any pictures of any decent deer. I had one buck from early season that I knew was there. And I thought first Saturday in November, my this low gap heats up. I watched nine bucks come through there. There was three of them walked in front of that camera. Every single other one walked behind the camera. And I shot that buck on the on the trail behind the trail camera. So I thought I'm hurting myself. I'm, I do know that I'm hurting myself. So what I've started doing on more pressured properties this year is elevating those cameras up to at least one climbing stick high, sometimes even two pointing down. My photo quality isn't as good, but I've got deer that are yet to look up and see any of those cameras that are set up high. And I think that's going to be my go-to from now on is getting those cameras up in that eight foot range, uh, eight to 10 foot everywhere, just to get them out of eyesight of a deer. Yeah, that's what I've recognized too. I, I came uh, uh, a system called Sky High or Montana Sky High Mountain System. Those guys have a system where it attaches to your, your uh, DeWalt or uh, Milwaukee, and it provides extender sticks at that. But it, it, you, when it inserts in there, it has a drive. You're able to drive, and you, you take first, grab a camera, mount it to this uh, bracket, and then yep. you you attach it to the unit there. And, and there's a there's a, a drive in the through, through the entire shaft. And it has different lengths too, so you can go all the way. I think it goes all the way up to like 15 feet up in the air, or, or is there? Is there? I think it's a a 12 foot long shaft where you can pitch it wherever you want to go at and it sets up and it's like you just drill it in there you already have it pre-angled and you're good to go and it's the whole it's you to buy the whole kit's like uh plus or minus 250 bucks but it's you you bought you just and they have a a bracket for every camera on the market and so like then they're only i think you can buy sets of five for 50 bucks maybe plus or minus you and this way you can you just have it all set up it's this way you can always have them up ankled and then you can camouflage them for for to watch out for people that are trespassing and stuff it's a really slick system uh you can look it up on youtube and i was quite impressed by it i was really debating on buying it this year but it's like i'm not i, I don't uh, it's i don't i need to buy it's like it's like if i do that i'm gonna buy more and more cameras so i just kind of look into getting other feed, other folks feedback when it comes down to cell cameras because it's like i'm kind of in the market like well i'll just start buying them up as i see them come on sale on on shields or uh, huntinggeardeals.com so this yeah. way then i can take advantage of those because you you do a great job of marketing that and making sure people have those things and man i need a you almost need to get somebody to be able to, to do a a a review on it's this way you can pop it on there but i think it'd be a great opportunity to to, to see that in action especially for how much you hunt and all the properties you use it'd be a perfect yeah. system because in this way then you don't have to worry about bringing a ladder in you just bring that in and if uh i don't do you by chance have uh one of those battery operated tree tree trimmers with an electric chainsaw on them i do actually i just one of the guys on my hunting lease it's not a like a Wicked Gear or one of the hunting brands, it's Cobalt brand. Mm -hmm. And the company that he works for 
makes those batteries for cobalt. So he brought uh, up an electric chainsaw, an electric pole saw, and I thought, man, there's no way, because we were trimming trees, and I absolutely love that thing. Oh, they're it, so awesome, aren't they? It, it blew my mind how well it worked, and I've used that thing way more than my steel. Now, of course, if I get a big tree in the road or something like that that I need to cut out, my steel's coming out of the case. But every other day, that little cobalt's going with me everywhere I go. But just think, though, if you have both those systems with you, now it, it eliminates the necessary need of a ladder, and you don't, you don't have to worry about having a me uh, mechanical one. All you just need to do is make sure you have uh, oil for the chainsaw and yep. then a, a knife or a, a two sharpener, so you're good to go. I my uh, old my old roommate has one when he lived up in Maple up in Minnesota. He bought one of those because he has a friend of his that works for Northern Tool and <laughs> uh, got a and using that right there we did we did so much tree work but able to hide the cameras much better and to trim certain things up so this way it provides that clear shooting range but you're not disturbing a whole lot you're able to get those angles you want you need yeah and you'll watch like as the season progresses how your trail cameras new new leaves come in so we know in the spring the foliage is growing up when the fall it starts going back down mm -hmm. as it uh, as things are changing so a lot of that especially when snow is on. I can't tell you how many trail cameras I've had just covered up with tree limbs because there's snow on them. It weighs them down. Like right now I've got a, a one of my cell cams that's two, well, three hours away right now, but it's got a new limb that just magically appeared in front of it, 10 <laughs> foot off the ground. And all day long, I've got this going on. There ain't nothing I can do about it. So. Oh, it's so frustrating when, when, it, when you're trying to monkey with that uh, uh, trigger time. Even though it's like you'd set it up for like a minute and you still you just get a bunch of these pictures, these random ones. Yep. I've gone through and I've like anytime I set up a new camera, I set the delay for 15 seconds. So it's like if there's somebody something big enough that's going to set it off, it's like I, I'm just tired of pulling it up and you have 3,000 pictures of picture of uh, twigs and leaves and only like a dozen pictures of a, uh, of, a of deer on it. So that's just frustrating. Agreed. Uh, I've had a couple cameras that I no longer have in my little circuit of cameras that it would take photos nonstop from the minute that it came on to the minute that the, cell, the SD card filled up. And by two days, you're done, even if it was a 32 gig camera. So those get pitched and you can try playing around with them. But this year I've had to I've had to buy new cell cams and my standard SD card cameras because they had just kind of phased themselves out, switches going bad and stuff like that. So I just did a revamp. What I did, I waited till I found the right opportunity and picked up a bunch of Browning cell cams for 60 bucks a pop. Wow, that's a good deal. Exactly. And that's that's why people should get signed up for the daily deal email with huntinggeardeals.com. There you go. Uh, yeah, I went ahead and bought like 15 or 16 of them because I knew that this opportunity wasn't going to last long. Those little cameras have been dynamite. And you could actually get, at one point in time, the Reveal X this year for 69 bucks. Wow. Yeah. Dang so, it. I, it's like I, I'm kicking myself because that's, that's, that's a ridiculous price point for it. Yeah. And you can basically buy the same camera right now for double that. So if you have that right timing, and that's that's where my business comes in. That's what I do. So I'm a more up to date when prices fluctuate, and I can buy twice the amount of product a lot of times for the same price. And that's what I that's how I try to build up. I've got more stuff than what I need. Uh, for instance, today my my buddy's like, "Hey, broke my sights. Got it. 
AJJ site, you, you shoot an HHJ. So he got to tinker. He's a mechanic. So he gets a tinkering with it, tears it apart, messes up the warranty, I'm sure. And he's in panic mode. So I'm like, dude, I got two sets. I'll just send to you. You pick out which one you like the best. And then we'll work on it, work that out later. But, and I, I'll usually try to capitalize on those deals during the off season when it comes out. You should really have them reach out to HJ. I'm sure they'll probably make something happen because they have a, an amazing turnaround time. They have a lifetime warranty on them. They, they, they're, they're no hassle. Uh, even though granted it's like you, it's HHA everywhere. Yeah. It's, they do, they're, they're really about their customer service. That's what makes them stand out amongst the rest of them. That's why I've been shooting every bow that I own or have owned all has HHA on it. Just because it's like, I'm a big proponent of customer service. I've worked in sales. I've worked in customer service. That's what wins me nine times out of 10. And they're everyone I've ever had has been rock solid. I mean, they, you can take them, put them through a beating and unless you, screw it up yourself it's hard to break them mm -hmm. uh, that's, I think this might be the situation that he's in right now <laughs> <laughs> well he's just tell him make sure he just reaches out to him and if he needs to i can talk to chris about the situation too as well and mm -hmm. uh have him reach out to him stuff like that plus they recently introduced their uh a military discount code discount program as well so if he's military i mean mm -hmm. it's like he, who knows he may end up having him on his podcast you never know chris is as a remarkable person it's like uh we we call him the chris ham effect because as soon as you become part of his network it's like your network just 10x oh nice yeah, because you're talking to a man that's been in the archery in your world for 30 plus years. I mean, the well, HHA has been around coming up on its 40th anniversary in a couple of years. I mean, it started in 1984, so it's mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, it's 37 now. So tack on a couple more years, there you go. It's it's funny how it all works out. And uh, so you you recently made a big partnership with Hunt Chef. How did that? How did you two make that happen? So what I wanted to do. I approached him, I think at the ATA show or maybe even before that. And I said, I want to add a recipe section to the website. Here's what I'm doing. Here's my audience. And he's like, and I said, I just want to gather just like I'm doing gear reviews. I would like the average Joe to put in recipes and create those blog posts because there's so much web traffic value out there for recipes. And I'm like, listen to all these podcasts and stuff like that. And a lot of these bloggers and stuff, that's how they're making their money is the recipe posts. I'm like, okay, how can I capitalize on that? And I'm like, okay, I'll capitalize on it through wild game. Um, and then I told him kind of what my game plan was. And he's like, I've got everything you need. Won't you just use my stuff? So I'm like, great. So they've supplied me with the recipes and the imagery and all that. And then I just publish it and link to their website. He gave me a custom coupon that everybody that, uh, goes through my website, saves money. I don't make a dime from that. Everything on the website, typically I make a commission on that sale, uh, but Hunt Chef, I don't. I just, Jeremy's a great guy. Uh, him and I kind of hit it off there and we've got a nice little agreement. I help him. He helps me. I don't make any money from that at the end of the day, but I'm looking to add more of that content later on. Um, I would love to have a whole repertoire of wild game recipes and stuff like that on my website one day. But right now it's all just kind of hunt chef related content. Definitely. I know. Well, we, we've talked about this. I have my own uh, cooking podcast that I release on Fridays and I'm, I've been dabbling around with different ideas about, uh, cause what I've, what I've done is that anytime I prepare uh, a, a, a cut of wild game, I'll actually go and I'll record it and then I'll just do a, 
um, speed through it all the whole process. So this way you can kind of see the steps to it. I try to manipulate the cameras, the, the timing on it. So this way you can see what the ingredients I'm using. Like now, right now, I've been primarily using Gravic Ranch because it was it's all part of a 501c3 to help veterans get out there and hunt out of Texas. And I met Joe Rhodes and great guys. So like, it's unique having a platform that I do because it's like I don't want to be. I want to, I want to experience all this goodness because there's so many talented people out there that put together products that I want to test them all, but I don't want to put my name behind one particular product because there's so much goodness. It's like, I want to give everybody the light, the, the light to it because they may, they may find the, what I say or what they, what they have available. That's going to hit with their, their, their flavor profile. You know, it's just, I just, it's just so much fun. It's just a blast. Yeah, so to go back on that, I was actually working with a wholesaler uh, that sells bulk, large quantities of yeah. uh, seasonings and stuff like that, and I can custom make that and work with them. So I was starting the process of working with them, and I wanted to have my own line of seasonings. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, so that's where I was going. And mm -hmm. then I met Jeremy um, with, from Hunt Chef, and we started talking and stuff like that. So I just kind of dropped that business opportunity there just because he's already got everything that i need um and it saves me the hassle i, I don't really want to get into doing those sales right now and uh I, I would just rather push somebody that's he's a lot more passionate about what he's doing than i'm going to be passionate about it correct it that makes sense for me to sell i'm passionate about what i do with my business the hunting your deals but to me for selling that product as far as every day me shipping it to you i don't really have a desire for that but i knew that it was a business opportunity that i was going to try to capitalize on but i ended up not pursuing it because i had faith in what he was doing with his business and the product that he had oh definitely and plus with his instagram post he does facebook uh, tiktok as well he's do he's he's got everything right on the market there and i follow him on all the things and he I think is I think my favorite content he produces is always on TikTok because it's like he's always him pulling something out of the out of the smoker, cutting it open. It just man, just it just it gives you inspiration and in how you want to do a cook up a spe specific piece of meat. Like I saw him do a leg shank from a bison. It's like ooh, that looks real tasty, and he's just pulling it right out and just cutting it off the bone. It's like man, I've just my mouth is just watering just thinking about the aspect of uh, being able to watch him perform. I uh, he was at. Uh, the Iowa Deer Classic. He was also at the, uh, what was the other one? Um, open Seasons there in uh, the Dells. And I, I, I reached out to him when it was at the Dells to see if we could do a podcast, but his schedule is just so busy that I wasn't able to make it happen. Yeah, it's nothing for him and uh, the people that he works with and stuff like that, that they're on the road constantly during show season and stuff like that. So even when we were in talks and trying, it took us months to get together because it was just such, he was so busy uh, mm -hmm. trying to build his brand out and putting in the legwork. So props to him, man. He's, he's been a hustler. Definitely. So what's going, what's the next few, what's the next stage with the hunting gear deals? Cause I know we did a podcast way back in Labor Day weekend or Memorial Day weekend. So do yes. you have anything that we should be kind of paying attention to? So right now, as far as sales and deals, right, October is going to be kind of slow. Uh, there's a few good deals right now. I think Sportsman's, it's live right now. So Sportsman Guide tonight has $25 off 200 that works for everything except for firearms and ammo. So that's a really good opportunity to save some money on something that usually doesn't go on sale. 
you're going to see a slowdown in discounts usually in October because what's going on, it's peak buying season. Everybody recognizes that. And, and then two, everybody's gearing up for November because um, that is peak buying season for all retailers across the board. So everybody's going to kind of save that for then. You'll see some companies probably like Scent Blocker and Scent Lock throw out um, a, a weekend sale here and there. They're usually pretty good for something like that and to catch you off guard. Uh, but your major online retailers are mo- going to slow down a little bit in October. September is a great time to get good deals. I saw that the first, first light was blowing me up. Yeah, so first light was on. Uh, QU does, does a big sale for Labor Day. Um, and then there's a lot of other companies out there that do the same. So sometimes I get to watch and monitor and compare from year to year. Some of those discounts for Labor Day are just as good as Black Friday. The problem is people aren't ready to buy. Black Friday people know it, it's, it's, a buy, it's a buyer's holiday, so you're there to spend money. Whereas Labor Day, you're like, oh, yeah, that's a good deal. But I wait till Black Friday and it's going to be the exact same price with limited availability. So occasionally you can take advantage of that. But October will kind of slow down, like I said. Um, But there's still going to be those products and occasional discount codes and stuff like that. So I'll keep my content going if anybody's interested in getting a particular product. So I get a lot of guys that just email me directly and be like, hey, I'm looking for the best price on uh, a certain HHA site. Can you help me? And I'm like, okay, I'll do the leg. I'll just literally stop what I'm doing right there and say like, okay, Midway USA has got the best price right now. Um, I don't have any, here's the link to it. I'm not, I don't make any money off of that company or anything like that, but they got the best deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things that I've done with my business is I've got 200 companies that I work with, but at the end of the day, they don't have, if they don't have the best deal, sometimes I'll still promote the company that I don't work with just because they've got a better deal on that product. Um, mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, my job is to be that uh, service, provide the service for everybody that hunts, not necessarily just to make a dollar. That's so. That's so. That's the best way to, f- to have that philosophy. Because in this way that you're developing that that value to c- create that return customers, I think mean, that's the why I always keep having you on my podcast. Because it's like you're always out there looking for the little man. Because with the what's what's going on globally and nationally it's that we need the best deals we can but we also want to support our companies and keep them in business so you know we got to work with what we can get come up with now when you um bring somebody new onto your into your roster where you're able to actually get a commission and work with them do you work with their sales staff or how do you make that connection so this way that it's a mutual uh win-win scenario for the two of you it depends. Some of them already have like affiliate commission set up, affiliate programs. Some of them don't. I've had companies that reached out to me because they see value in what I'm doing. And they're like, we want to work with you. What do you want us to do? Um, and basically it's like, hey, I don't care one bit to help you move product, but I'm not going to sell product because it's newly released or something like that. I'm not here just to promote your stuff. I'm here to help the consumer get the best deal. So upfront, I tell you, I'm not here to sell your brand new product. I'm here to sell you when you get a discount because my job is to provide that service. So the next step is like, okay, how much commission do you want? I'm like, what, what do you want to pay? Like, I, I'm going to say, I'll throw a price range in there. I said, you can be high or low. Doesn't matter to me as long as you guys are giving good deals and you want to work with me. Great. Um, I, I don't, I talked to somebody here recently and they're like, way more commissions than what I'm making. I'm like, holy crap, I'm leaving a lot of money on the table. So like maybe I sell myself short a few times, but I would much rather work and be somebody that they could count on 
because I get people email me all the time. It's like, hey, this sale is coming up. Can you help me promote it? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. It's live in 30 seconds. So just having those communication barriers, um, it's nice when they're small companies. A lot of these small companies, they don't have programs, um, but then they end up getting sold out to a company that uh, that does. So for instance, a, you get a you get a patent on a product and you want to sell it, I'll help you promote it uh, because I know eventually somebody down the road, I'm going to be able to make money whether you start selling on Amazon or whatever. And I already have the SEO value in the bank. And that's what I figured out. It's like, be first, <clears throat> be first and work with companies that aren't do, just because you're not making a dollar, just go ahead and start working with them and building that content and relationship because one day they're going to be able to put you in a situation where you can eventually make a dollar. Yeah, that's what I've done. That's what was kind of like my whole philosophy with a lot of these guys, with everybody that I have on here and stuff like that. I, I work with RPG because I have a, uh, a nice affiliate program with them and they give me products to donate and stuff I can give away. I just, I haven't uh, really come up with a time to like, I haven't, I, I just finally hit a couple thousand people on uh, Instagram, Facebook. I'm not quite sure how much I want to put energy into it because they've been kind of shadow banning me and I'm not really getting a whole lot of organic traffic. They've kind of really kind of cracked down on that aspect. So when it comes down for you and advertising for all these folks, I know you and I, you had, you and I've had conversations about like what I've learned and what I've used especially going off of what I found on TikTok and YouTube reels, what has been your successful avenue of being able to drive traffic to huntinggeardeals.com? So the best way, like I have a hard time advertising through social media uh, just because there's guns, bows, and ammo on my website. And once Google recognizes it or once Instagram recognizes it, it might take a day or two, my ads get pulled. Uh, so I've had a real hard time paying for advertising. There's forums and stuff like that that I've sponsored and I get a few clicks off of that. But at the end of the day, if I don't create quality content, so when you type something into Google, that's where I want to show up. So I'm when I'm thinking about creating content, I want to know like, okay, when you get ready to type something in, looking for what's the best deal on RPG coffee, RPG coupon code, I can't compete with Retail Me Not or these coupon companies but I can connect with hunters in the way they're thinking. So that's how I try to generate content. Uh, email marketing is my where I'm going next. Email marketing is probably a thing of the past for a lot of people. Uh, but what I'm realizing is I, I can advertise my business through email because uh, I don't have to worry about social media and other companies like that monitoring what I'm doing. Um, mm -hmm. If you want to subscribe to that email and receive that content, you'll get that content. That's, so that's, that's smart. Yeah. Uh, that, I think that's what a lot of a lot of outdoors people have been going towards companies and such. I know I was talking to uh, Jeremy Fish from the Toxin app, and his whole idea is that uh, he wants to connect the the outdoor world with with the internet, and so this way they can bring people that are for clubs to bring people to those clubs to promote their ideas and their their events. And he's him and I brainstorm frequently to try to figure out ways to drive traffic to it. So I do my publications for them and such, but I think being able to being able to jump on a mailer or to help work with other people that have a mailing list is probably going to be the best way to really drive a lot of traffic. The unique thing about being digital, you can, you can submit an, uh, the link to it to take directly to it. I don't know why I haven't done it to, with the hunting gear deals on my, on my link tree yet, but I need to go on there and add that to that. So this way, then when I talk about you or when I do my public era, 
uh, promos for this episode, they can just simply go to the link in the bio and click on that link and take you right to hunting gear deals. Cause it's, it's a great opportunity to have, cause I don't need an, a specific RS RSS, uh, link to be able to make it work. Yeah. And every time like I get a link to my website or a certain blog post or something like that, it adds value over time to that business. So Mm -hmm. every time I'm on a podcast or something like that and they link to it, it generates long-term value and it takes a long time to create that. Um, But if you look at the grand scheme of things, like the more people that like, that's a cool thing. Like I'm not here selling a product at the end of the day, I'm just saving somebody money and making a little bit of money in the process but my job, the more people that I can reach, the more people that are going to benefit from it, yeah, I'll make a little bit more money. But my goal was to go full time with this business. And I'm really close to being able to do that. And I'm thinking about taking another business acquisition here in the next month that might put me in line to do that once I pay for the next business. So pay it off. But that's a that's the the pipe dream. So we'll see how that goes. But I'm thinking maybe quarter one of 2023 depending on work situation i might take a tour across the country going to all these shows during show season and trying to drive a lot of email signups and just getting people more familiar familiar with the brand so setting up a booth or something like that seems i had a hard time grasping that like how do i take a digital content website and have a booth about it because i don't sell any products so what I'll probably do is like some types of giveaways and have email signups and just get the word out um, yeah. and maybe try to work with some other companies and partner with and go that route. That's a smart way to do it. So are you going to jump on the circuit right off the get-go in the, in the upcoming spring? Mm-hmm. So I just made a list of all the shows today that I think that I can attend and some that I can't. Unfortunately, I have a day job and it seems like it's going to get in the way of a lot of these great shows that I want to go to. I put in PTO, of course, for the ATA show, um, and that's not a consumer show. So I don't drive a lot of uh, traffic to my website, but I create relationships that help me grow the website. Correct. That makes sense. What I would love to do is take the time off to go to the Great American Outdoor Show this year and set up a booth. Is that the one in Pennsylvania? The one that's like for eight days long? Yeah, it's uh, like the 4th to the 12th or something like that. Long, real long show. Tons of people, probably half a million people or more, something crazy like that goes through the doors. Have email signups with iPads and stuff like that. A little bit of information about the website and just kind of get the word out that way. I wouldn't even have to man the booth. Um, So if I take some marketing, instead of advertising through Instagram, Facebook, maybe I do some boots on the ground stuff. It's just a matter of, can I have the time away from work to do it or do I need to quit the day job in order to take this dream and turn it into a reality? Understandable. Uh, the, you, the best part is, is like if you're able to figure out your finances and, and strip it down and I like figure out how you can supplement your food costs, that's yeah. going to be your, your biggest thing is like growing a garden, putting deer, putting hog in your, in your fridge, stuff like that. Figure out ways to, to remove that exp- those, more, those larger expenses. Yeah, and... I, I'm pretty good at that because I got a lot of wild game in the freezer. <laughs> yeah, you just you I just capitalizing a buck. Yeah, so yeah, I, that that works out. So that shouldn't be too hard. My biggest thing is just got married. I've got a bonus son, and I want to have a kid in the near future. So yeah, I have to put the uh, 
the dreams of being a self-employed full-time business owner on hold until a year or so from now, but it doesn't it. mean that I can't put in the legwork today to pay off for tomorrow. Definitely. That's a, that's a smart way to do it. Work, work until you're able to make your part-time gig, your full-time gig. And that's just usually how uh, us entrepreneurs work. You know, you, we, you grind for eight hours, then you do and you grind for another four or five hours in your product. You know, I do the exact same thing. It's just applying the, the, the logic that Gary V and Grant Cardone and some of these, these big moguls have really emphasized on and, uh, consistently doing it that's the thing is like consistently sitting down and making the multiple pieces of content per day to be able to continue driving traffic and and exposing people to your, our, our content yeah and at the end of the day like three or four years from now whatever we're doing right now is going to be outdated and we're going to have to figure out the next way like tiktok a few years ago what well, didn't exist and now it's the probably one of the largest um, social media organizations out there in the country right now because it's that so rumble popular. yep and uh see rumble i'm not even on so like i need to get on the ball with rumble i've heard about it but i've never never been on it yeah um, i know uh russell brand just signed a gr- an agreement with those guys oh, so really? russell yeah so that's a big win right there for them because i know russell has been doing the exact same thing with people trying to get him and also andrew tate is on there too as well and uh why the big techs are not liking this is it's creating this this great awakening it's like people are want like they're talking about stuff that needs to be said and they're opening people's minds and i think that's the best way for both of us to go to because true social is not really kicking off that much uh twitter is just full of bots instagram is going away it's like it's like uh, Facebook is the, the you're getting to the point where it's going to be the next face or MySpace, and then Instagram will be the Facebook and kind of be fading that away too as well. Yeah, I mean, you, if I look scroll through my Instagram reel, it's all videos anymore. You can't throw a photo up and get it, they might see it, seems like. So, I mean, there's going to be something new pop up. It's just a matter of being first. Uh, yes. I wish the hunting community as a whole would step away from Instagram and Facebook and say, we're all going to have a meeting. Let's take a vote. Where are we going to go? And we all go over there and we just stop fooling with it Mm -hmm. because we're constantly being attacked and being um, criticized and being held back. And our hunting culture is being restrained to the point to where we can't express our love for the outdoors anymore. Uh, That's for, it's so hard for me to promote my business um, at the end of the day, but simply because it's a hunting related business. And I, I reached out to a bunch of people in the industry in the last month or so. And I said, I'm struggling. Like, how are you guys advertising your business and stuff like that? And what it comes down to is you got to be careful. I mean, I got an ad pulled the other day because there's a, a bow in a tree that you can't even see. Somebody's drawn back in the background of the photo. And I'm like, tag on it. So you you get pulled down a few times through Google or Instagram or Facebook, and then you're blacklisted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know uh, with um, Go Wild is is one of the premier apps to go towards for the outdoor world. But they're having, they they run into struggles with Google and uh, iPhone pulling their app off. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like. I got, I got frustrated with Go Wild because it turned me into a shopping, shopping mall. So it's like upload this this tacticam and then you tag it and we'll sell it. So they're smart. Whoever's behind that app, everybody's using it. Like when you add that, 
they're making money off that off the commissions just like affiliate commissions and stuff like that so they're smart jacked was the name of the company that i met with at the ata show i got all excited what they were going to do thought they were going to be what i wanted to go wild to be um but i i haven't even logged into that in three or four months so i couldn't tell you what they're doing anymore but they they had big bright ideas and I don't know. Maybe they're high rolling right now, and I don't realize it. But I've never, I don't, I've never even heard of Jack. So that 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 is news to me. This is that's yeah. new to me. Yeah. So it's an app, uh, or supposed to be an app, and they were so far behind on the app that yeah, I didn't end up fooling with it. I got gotcha. you. Understandable. Oh, my buddy Brady goes. It's like he should just go to uh, uh, only hunts or hunters only, like. Uh, creating i'm not sure if he's referring to like a creating like an app or a website because you know like only hunts it's like it's the own version of only fans but it's only hunting yeah uh, i actually seen that on a shirt not too long ago so somebody probably has already bought that url i wouldn't be surprised oh only hunts yeah but we do i mean our, our community needs a a way to communicate uh because at some point in time youtube is probably going to ax the hunting videos. I and mean, we've already seen some people get demonetized. And I had full intentions this year of taking my business and putting go towards YouTube. And then when they started backing off of that, I was like, well, maybe that ain't where I need to be. And uh, the fact that I dropped a $5,000 camera and lens out of the tree on Saturday tells me that that's oh, no. not my way. Man, that is, that is yeah. uh, a rough five. Oof. Yeah, so I, I dropped a Canon R5 or R6, yeah, Canon R6 with a 70 to 200 lens. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Ouch. I uh, was with my Dose After Dark podcast that I host, co host with, we use the M200s, and th- those are $700 cameras themselves. Yeah. And then uh, well, I took that out um, Sunday. We, we My wife and I went out and t- did some video and did some 4K shots and playing around with it, like just, just like learning and how to make the most of the camera and such. And I've been digging into the cameras and boy, does it get expensive fast. I have a buddy of mine, uh, Sodak, uh, Ben, he, he managed to go into a pawn shop in Sioux Falls and pick up a Canon EOS R, a body for 500 bucks. And then he got one of those, uh, I think it's 55 to 105 lenses with it too for under a thousand and he just kind of it just kind of got just dumb walk walking in there and finding he's he's got a a 200 or 400 millimeter uh lens on it too but that's 600 bucks and just the lens itself oh yeah i mean my lens i mean it's in my amazon cart right now because i'm trying to figure out what to do if i want to bite the bullet and go at this again or what but uh i'm definitely buying the protection plan next time <laughs> no kidding what about uh gopros or tacticams oh. like actually getting those those uh, those devices instead of going and buying the the multi the several th- yeah so i i've got a gopro i find myself not using it when the okay. heating moment comes on i just always end up because it's you get that close up and what i need for my business is quality photos so making the videos is just kind of something for fun but for me i need quality images for the website and social media so that's how i talked myself into purchasing a high-end camera and stuff like that and i needed a dslr whereas the tacticams and stuff like that they're great for recording the hunt so you can watch it with your buddies later but it, uh, 
but it doesn't add the value that I need for what I want to do long-term. Yeah, I completely understand that. I can, I, I've been looking at ways to work with my con, my quality and stuff like that too. And I'm looking at uh, the YouTube in the background and looking at everything. It's like, well, I need to go from there. Uh, oh, uh, my buddy Brady, he says, buy a drone. And he says, go with the, the DJI mini pro three. That's what he suggested. DJI. Hmm. I, yeah, I'm not a technology guy, so I have no clue what that is. <laughs> well, it's 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 a drone. It's under a thousand bucks. I think it's maybe even less than that, but it produces 4K quality. But the only downside is drones. You can't use depending on the state. You can't use drones when you're out hunting. It's it's illegal. It's called har harassment of wildlife. What most states refer to it as, and uh, yeah, you can do it for post credit scenes and stuff like that after the hunt, but to scout with or anything like that. It's a big no-no. Yeah. So like, I remember one guy was like, Hey, I'm going to buy this infrared drone and use it to track deer. Like somebody shoots a deer and fly it. And I'm like, well, that's not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. And there's laws against that. So. Oh, definitely. The one, when drones first came out, I start seeing being advertising to Bellas, but now they're no longer on there because it, it, people just obviously weren't buying them. But yeah, that's exactly right. I do appreciate the sentiment about like that's like being able to do uh, white or, or recovery. That's pretty sweet to be able to do that. But like you said, it's harassment. So if the DNR doesn't like it, and plus DNRs is being manipulated by um, some anti hunting organizations out there too, and they got the wrong people in power because. I think if you if you get licensed, I think that something that if you're a in the the business of deer recovery, you should be able to get yourself a permit to be able to do that, and then just follow within the long lines of F, the FFA and or the F. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is it what what's um uh, uh, federal aviation something? Yeah, there we go. Administration. Maybe it is the FFA or FAA. To, to follow along with those things. but i think there's 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 room to be able to have the negotiation for it but they, they they go hard and then we never have an opportunity to negotiate to get some of that stuff back but it is what it is yeah i mean we just got to the point in west virginia and i know i live in ohio now but I'm, west virginia is still home but to the point where we could track with dogs on a leash like two years ago or something like that so we just got that privilege um so the idea of throwing technology into it we still we're 20 years out on that probably <laughs> yeah yeah we here in the midwest we, we we haven't had too many issues with that but i think it's just because of our i'm not sure how it falls in the lines of the cultural how everything's worked over the last several decades and such but maybe us being formed later on in the years it's tough to say i it's very muddy water to figure out why some states have x and why some states don't yeah i mean at the end of the day it all depends on the squeaky wheel gets a grease so if you got a bunch five or ten people screaming and shouting that they don't want it and you got five or ten and a hundred people not say it speaking up saying they do then the people that are screaming the loudest usually end up winning and they're usually not on our side that is exactly true so Man, Cam, we've we've had a really good conversation here. I've, I've we like we've discussed here on YouTube. Go out there, go to huntinggeardeals.com, get on the mailer so this way that you have an opportunity. Because I missed out on the tactic cams for being seventy bucks a piece, and you know that 
two turns to 140 and get three. It's like you can get three cameras for under 200 or close to under just over 200 bucks. I mean, it's a hell of a deal right there. Yeah. And unfortunately, that deal is not going on right now at this point. (laughs) Yeah. I can assure you at some point in time, everything that's in stock right now is going to be on clearance if they don't sell it all by the end of the year. So definitely, that's, that's the good thing about. Yeah, Walmart's bad and these big box stores are bad, but at the end of the day, they move product at a cheap price when they when it's time to go. So uh, that really helps my my budget if I time that correctly. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, thank you, Cam, for being on the podcast. Is there what are the best means to get a hold of you? So uh, social media at huntinggeardeals.com. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, but the most important part is the website, www.huntinggeardeals.com. And if you're actually looking for a product that you need at a discounted price, can't guarantee I find it, but I'll at least try to help. And my email address is Cameron, C-A-M-R-O-N, dot huntinggeardeals at gmail.com. Thank you, sir. Thanks, bud. You're welcome.